Welcome to Tokyo Lives, the podcast where the hosts truly believe that they'll someday be referred to as the Tokyo Lives 2. My name is Coleman. And I'm Kyle. Wow. Season 5 of Camp Cretaceous. Did you ever think we would get here? We're here. (laughs) It's the end, everybody. (laughs) I just... I mean, honestly, I didn't know if it would go for five seasons. I mean, they just kept putting them out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and uh after uh well the disappointment that was season four um (laughs) now we're not into our reactions right away but you will remember that i was actually a lot more positive about season four than the rest of the fan base you were but you we were all making excuses for it Absolutely. Even you. We were all like, oh, maybe the writers just didn't have the time, or they were told that they couldn't go as far as they could, they wanted to, or... Um... I just think they didn't execute super well on some things, but I yes. like the whole idea of the tech bro and the almost like Nedry 2.0. Yes. Well, luckily for everyone, without getting even too specific with our opinions, luckily season five is a big improvement over season four. Um, uh, a, 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 a giant leap from season four. A, a in kaiju-sized my leap, one might yes. say. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, even though this is coming late, uh, we are still treating this as a special report. So in case you haven't watched season five of Camp Cretaceous yet and you were waiting for our review, uh, there's probably two of you that were doing this. But um, <laughs> we are going to do a spoiler-free section at the beginning where we don't give any spoilers. We don't go into anything specific. Uh, we're just kind of talking about our general opinions on the season. Um, and then we're going to have a bump, uh, as always. And then we will go into super spoilers after the bump going into the super details of everything that happens in the final season of the show as it being the final season of the show. I think that's why it's important to the spoiler free section because it is like, we're literally talking spoilers every second that we talk about it. So (laughs) maybe you're a new listener to Tokyo lives and you just popped on the next episode and you've slept on this series and like, I'm not going to watch that kid's show on Netflix. Uh, (laughs) Maybe this will be the reaction that, that says, Hey, go back. Check it out. Season Check one's out. pretty great. You never know. Uh, but uh, as always as well, since it's a special report, this is, of course, unedited, so you'll hear our uh, dubs, flubs, and subs, uh, as we always say. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Can't edit that out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you'll hear all of the, all the little mess-ups that we make during it, uh, but... Uh, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. I'm excited to talk about this uh, this season. Um, so let's let's go straight spoiler-free. Um, I'll go first. I, I liked almost all of this season. Like, And when I say almost all of this season, I mean I probably liked 11 of the 12 episodes. Um, and I, I think it's a huge improvement over season four. I think... This season is uh, it has a focused story that it is trying to tell. I think this season actually points out some of the flaws 
that season two and season four had. Um, and I'll get more into specifics on that in my, in my uh, least favorite moment. Uh, but I, I think at, at, at its strongest, this season rivals season one and season three, uh, which is big marks because I really loved season one and season three. Um, but I think that there are still some slowdown points. Uh, there's some character motivations that don't work uh, completely. Um, I, I wish that we had completely gotten rid of the Brad X's uh, at the beginning of the season because the other stuff the season is trying to do is way more interesting, uh, way more in t- tied in with uh, not just Dominion, but just the kind of concept of where the franchise was trying to go. Uh, even in season four, uh, but they just, they just, it took a little longer to get to those points than I really would have liked. Um, there's some great new dinosaur or new dinosaurs in this, specifically one, the Nothosaurus. I got to give a shout out to, uh, which we will talk about more in the spoiler section. Um, better uses of the Dilophosaurus. Uh, we get to see, uh, a couple of really big, uh, big faces return to the show that uh, we have not seen since season three, uh, which is great. Um, and uh, there's a really uh, awesome relationship that actually does uh, come to fruition that we've been kind of seeing the hints of for the last two seasons uh, that I, I really appreciated and I really like how they handled it. Uh, is it worth watching? Absolutely. Uh, I think that just like season one and season three, this ties in very well with the greater Jurassic franchise. Um, this one specifically kind of tail ending to the end of Fallen Kingdom. Uh, but um, I, I just feel like it, it has more connection to the franchise than uh, season four did. Uh, and it, it feels more natural to to what we wanted to see from this show even though it is a kid's show well, um, let me ask you this while you're still in your opinion uh for those who maybe haven't checked out the series yet um do you feel like this ending justifies watching the series overall overall yes i think that season four is still gonna be rough to get through at points um i, I think that it, this doesn't completely justify what happens in season four but uh overall though i think it makes it a valid uh, part of the franchise, especially once again, especially with paired with seasons one and three. Um, season two is not terrible, but I, I, I just seasons one and three are the shining stars of this of this show for me. Season two is very much the lost world of the series. Yes, and that's like they're doing the same thing, they're doing cool things, but it's like if they didn't make this, would I care? You know exactly. But the season one. Just it's an integration with Jurassic World mm-hmm. was just so good. And then season three, the introduction of the Scorpius Rex and everything that has to do with that. It's just it made that whole season just great to watch from start to finish. Um, and, and like I said, this this season is up there with those two. So I think that it, does it make the rest of the series worth it? I mean, I guess if you're invested in the lore of the Jurassic franchise, absolutely. Yes. If you're a casual viewer, maybe not. Honestly, like it's not like this this series this season does anything like anything big special. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it it, it didn't reinvent the wheel. I guess is my. I point. would disagree with you just in the sense that I think this series more than some of the movies 
has given us the the best, most interesting cast True. of people who live in this world. True. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be looking for Darius to pop up in a live-action movie as soon as possible. True. And I'm actually sad that we didn't get that in, in Dominion. Yeah. Because there's actually a character in Dominion that could have literally been Darius with yep. not a lot of changes. Um, so... Yeah. Anyway, I like I said. I but you know, if I'm boiling it down to to like you know a couple spoiler-free sentences, I really liked the season. I had fun watching it. Is it perfect? No. But is it season four? Oh, it's way away from season four. Uh, season four, I, I was very bored by. I was very like <laughs> looking at my phone. I was very not invested. Whereas this season, I didn't look at my phone once from start to finish. So I, I was invested in it. I did want to see how it was going to end. Um, and I think it ends in a very satisfying way. I, that's very spoilery, but I think the ending of this, of this season is perfect. Almost it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, so yeah, that's, those are my spoiler free thoughts. Coleman, what do you got? Okay, so I think I'm a little more mixed than you. Um, I I really enjoyed this season, but I feel like when it's high, it's it's higher than some of the previous seasons completely, mm-hmm. and and then there's just a lot of filler in between the the subplots I care about, you know? Yeah. Um. So I feel like not every episode's a home run, but those few episodes that hit well make this a better season than than many of the other seasons. Sure. Um. So it really also depends on what you're watching this show for. If you're watching it for the characters, great season. Mm-hmm. If you're watching it for the dinosaurs, actually a little less fulfilling of a season, I feel like. Um, <laughs> you are getting cool new stuff, and you are getting good representations of things, like you said, the Dilophosaur. Great to see them come back, specifically how they came back. I was very excited about I loved. Um, Especially because their but, usage in 4 was so bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, did we see any dinosaur moments in this season that blew me away and made me want to, you know, watch it again? Not really at all. You know, I think, um, I think without spoiling it, there's an, there's an arc for a couple of dinosaurs. And if you've listened to our season four review, you know, which two dinosaurs I'm talking about that I think works really, really well. But I think that, yeah, the individual dinosaur moments in this season are not the strongest, I think. Yeah, I'd say one of those arcs yeah. pays off. I, I think we're um, talking yeah. about the same one, but yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so so again, it's it's really what you're getting out of the series. I really love these characters, so I really enjoyed the season. Um, I enjoyed what they did with um, Kenji specifically and his storyline <laughs> in some parts of it. You know, I, I appreciated what they were doing there, at least. And then, like you said, the ending... I couldn't have wanted to end better. You know, we take we kept talking about in other seasons. Why aren't they jumping forward faster? Why aren't they going into more of oh, what yeah. we want to see? I'm glad now that this is a self-contained series that ends where it ends. And we, I we do, both called the ending, like, in various yeah, different forums throughout we the did. watch of the show. <laughs> I'm still a little sad that we don't get to see them reacting to certain other events in the movies. Sure. Um, that could have been, like, a whole season. But, yes. you know, whatever. Um, they, they really wanted to keep the kids within these islands. Um, again, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the point of the fact that they have this made up Island, but other than that, um, (laughs) that's my biggest gripe with the last two seasons. I have a, I have a surprising opinion on the, on the, the Island they're on. Uh, Oh, I know why they did it now. Yes. Now I know specifically why they did it, 
but there's no reason that island could have been like Matt and Sarah's or something, you know? Oh, yeah. No, no, It no. could have been one of the five deaths. There's no reason why deaths. it had to Absolutely. be yeah. a secret new island. However, I, I um, do have... I, this season made me come to terms with Manticore Island in a way that I didn't think I would because I absolutely hated it in season four. Mm-hmm. But by the end of this season of the show, I ended up looking at Manticore Island and going, well, it's existence makes sense. Now it makes the sense. reason how they set it up, yeah. the technology that's there, that all makes sense now, Also, they answered, which I feel like they answered a huge question that you, me and Rob were both questioning the entire time when we were talking about season four, uh, as in regards to the dinosaurs and cloning, because in, yes. in season four, it's very unclear. In season five, they fully answer everything about that. Yeah, and I feel like that's what a lot of season five, too, was the characters themselves being like, wait, why did this happen in season four? Yes. Or why did, wasn't this explained in season four? We should explain that right now. Um, so, y- you know, Zach Stintz on Twitter, I see you listening to us. Uh, right. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, but yeah, but overall, um, season five... I feel like justifies, especially the ending, justifies your ticket purchase to the entire series. Mm-hmm. It's it's a series that will be remembered as like, yeah, they really went kitty for a lot of those. There's definitely storylines you're not going to care about. Um, it's definitely toned down for a children's show, but they did a lot of things right, and I think it's it's. I'm glad that we have a series that is in the Jurassic Park franchise that we're not you know, like embarrassed about or anything. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's a good series. Um, um, my buddy Julio actually brought up a really good point in regards to considering this series canon, even with all of its flaws. Um, so it's, 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 it's spoilery, but I, I won't talk about the spoiler section, spoiler part of it until we get to the spoilers. But he brought up of how a lot of this show if you really look at it with how the show ends could be kind of an interpretation of the events that happened. Um, and looking at it that way, it kind of makes, it makes sense as far as like some of the kitty nature of like some of the, some of the moments that we do have during the show um, and relating it to how it could be, Oh, somebody telling a story of what happened to the Nublar six. Well, it's almost like one of the kids growing up and writing a middle grade series right, about their exactly. adventures on the island. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's yep. the way when Julio brought it up, I was like, that really brings some of it into perspective and makes me actually like the show a little bit more because it makes it so that I'm not having to try and go, oh, the walking theropod robots were <laughs> the main yep. threat of season four. It's well, like, here, well. <laughs> here's my look into the future. Yes. And I hope this is the future we get, but it's also going to be kind of sad for all of us. I feel like the Jurassic World franchise and Camp Cretaceous are going to be bottled into this era of Jurassic Park that's going to be similar to like the prequels of Star Wars. Yeah, um, I can see that. It's there's going to be people who grew up with it who love it in the future, um, but I feel like we're now that they've finished the Jurassic World franchise, we're going to get a reboot that tries to be closer in tone to the original. And more realistic in some ways. Yeah. And tries to be that Michael Crichton version yeah. of the series. And that's going to be great. I'm going to be super excited for that. But I think people are going to forget about the good parts of the Jurassic World franchise and Camp Cretaceous because of how they reboot the you know it'll, the universe. It'll, just, it'll be exactly like the prequels in that same sense, though. Like, a- enough time will pass that people will start looking back on these ones and being like, 
oh, well, I actually like what they did with this, you know, and I like what they did with this. And they'll kind of nitpick it, or not pick nitpick it, but like pick the things they like from the. Well, Jurassic we've seen that happen era. with Jurassic Park three. Jurassic Park three, people are very nice to it now. So nice when to it, it came out, ridiculous. I was nice there. To it. I loved Jurassic Park three when it first came out, <laughs> and everyone around me hated it. Oh, and I was I, so mad. I, I'm still not a fan of that movie, but like, yeah, I've softened on it for sure. But like, yeah, uh, but now like you see apologists talking about it all the time online, and I'm just like, okay, look. It's it's not it may not be the worst Jurassic movie at this point if you're comparing the whole franchise, but it's also still not a good movie. Like, all right, like it had a lot of problems in production um, that caused it to not be the movie that it is. You know, a number uh, like uh, evidence a not having a script uh, while they were filming. Uh, Big problem that that never goes well. So look, you don't want this to turn into a Jurassic Park three podcast because I will. (laughs) talk you under the rug about how that movie is an unappreciated gem. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the, the, the raptor saying Alan is actually an amazing integration into the plot of the entire if movie. If only, Coleman, if only, if only they kept the deleted scene that would make that whole scene make sense. Just saying. Uh, Wait, which deleted scene? Because the, they had the scene earlier where he's talking to the parrot. Yeah, but the parrot actually was supposed to talk back to him in the deleted scene. But the parrot. I know, but it's still it's, it's still not, there. But, but it's, it's still not, the relationship with the bird. But it's, not, it's still it's not executed. Like if the parrot had talked back to him, like then you would have gotten the relation to the to the raptor. I'd say it's a more subtle touch, oh, but that's just me. <laughs> a movie that has no subtlety. Anyway, <laughs> also I'm still waiting on I'm still waiting on the uh, Godzilla franchise fan base to finally lighten their tone oh, on G ninety eight. You so. haven't seen that. The, oh yeah, they no, are. I haven't at oh, all. Yeah, absolutely. Good, it's There's time. A lot of Rise up for G ninety eight at this point. I'm uh, one of them. I'm their leader. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right. So those are our spoiler free uh, talks about uh, season five. I know it was kind of vague a lot of the time, but the thing is, as we're as I said, we're talking about the final season of a show, so we wanted to kind of stay kind of vague. Uh, when it comes to opinions on like individual episodes and individual plot lines that they decided to try and do. Uh, but we will go into super detail with that stuff uh, after we come back to the break. So to, to quote Rob, since he is not here, after these messages, we'll be right back. The monster will destroy us all. Prehistoric monster. The monster will destroy us all. Sure, monster. The monster will destroy us all. And we're back to talk about spoilers for Camp Cretaceous Season 5. We're here. We're at the end of this franchise, or this show, at least. Uh, We'll talk more about the possible future uh, of this animated franchise. (laughs) <laughs> later on in the episode or just serial serialized version there of you yeah the you know <laughs> jurassic park uh, because there has been some news on that and uh, me and coleman are actually going to talk about it because it's directly uh maybe going to be influenced by what we saw in uh season five of the show um all right so we're gonna do the plot and the best way to do the plot is to go episode by episode because uh it's just going to be easier that way, and it'll also help us distinguish what episode happened or what happens in each episode. Because obviously, because it's Netflix, the season came out as a whole, so 
you you binged it. Everyone just can't, binged it. Can't we just break it down to Kenji's outfit <laughs> and just talk about what happens was, during each outfit? Yeah, when he was in the suit or when he was in his his normal mm-hmm. outfit. Yeah. I like how he immediately puts his t-shirt back on and his dad's like, what? Why are you wearing that? Why? Yeah. You can't put the jacket on again? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so let's start with episode one of season five of Camp Cretaceous. Picking up uh, pretty much exactly where we left off at the end of season four. Uh, Kenji is thrilled to see his father and eager to prove himself uh, as a loyal uh, member of the family to his father, who is... I thought at first they were going to try and play him off as, like, not as evil as we all know him to be. Like, they were going to kind of keep it secret. But no, at the end of the episode, he's full on. He just is a villain. That was actually my biggest disappointment with this season (laughs) is that I thought they were going to go, he's not evil. He's just thinking of the business first, which would have been a very good character. Yes. But no, he's just straight up evil. Oh, yeah. Like I said, by the end of the episode, he's flat out evil. Um, yeah. So Sammy and Brooklyn um, uh, team up to find out what happened to Sammy's family. Uh, we find out that uh, what well, we well, at the time we find out that like he bought the farm and is per- purchasing like the meat needed for the island from the farm. Uh, at the time he pl- he claims to be like all oh it was they were gonna go under I ha- I saved your farm. Uh, but once again, immediately we're revealed that he's evil. So it's like, okay, so that's a lie. Um, this first episode is kind of treading water a little bit. Honestly, it's, uh, the episode's titled reunited. Um, it just kind of just is like the start of the season, but it also doesn't give us a lot of information of where the season is going because, uh, we get, uh, cash, um, being thrown into prison, uh, and it's seeming like he's going to be, like, you know, punished for everything that he did in the previous season. Because, of course, as we know. Or at least take a back seat story-wise yeah, this season. Yeah. And, I mean, he's, yeah, he's thrown in prison. And supposedly, like, the doctor, we're supposed to all, like, uh, you know, assume that, oh, yay, May is, uh, you know, she's actually going to get the credit she deserves for all the things that she discovered with, like, communicating with dinosaurs and all that other stuff. Which my daughter was very confused <laughs> while I watched this season, because my daughter's name is Marion, but we call her May. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and last season, she was too young to really pick that up. This season, she turned around every time I was watching it, and then I sat down and watched it with her, and she looked at me, and she's like, what? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of anything interesting that happens in this first episode. Like I said, this first episode isn't really... It doesn't do much. It's just Kenji's father, to each almost each character, giving them a reason to not think that he's evil. I'm not evil. You know, yeah. really, <laughs> yeah, really playing it up to the point where we kind of guess. But I still thought, you know, hey, maybe he's doing good things. Maybe he's, uh, yeah. you know, again, he's going to put the business first and turn Kenji towards that. Um, but then, yeah, we get to that that last scene. Yeah, you get the last scene where he's absolutely evil, and it, none of what we saw mattered in the episodes. And I think it, I think it did undercut the beginning of the season. That's when I was talking in the at the spoiler free section about like how this te- season had some episodes that I really really liked and some episodes that I was like eh, like this is one that I was like eh. I, it didn't give me a good uh, set of hope for the rest of the show with this first uh, first episode at all. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, uh, episode two, the final test. Uh, a cryptic clue prompts Brooklyn, Darius, and Ben to dig into Mr. Khan's no- motives. Uh, Kenji plans a date with Brooklyn while helping his dad prep for the party with the uh, evil villains, TM, TM, TM. Uh, <laughs> the group of people from all these evil organizations that come to the island to see the mind control technology, because that's the main plot of this entire season. Um, and it's... I feel like this is another episode that's undercut with us knowing Mr. Khan's actual motives, because if we hadn't gotten that scene in the last episode, we would still be questioning, like, is he good? Is he is he doing what's best for Kenji? Like, is you know, like, what's going on with Which this? Which the, uh, the uh, representatives of the other companies were also a little on the nose uh evil too yeah. like they straight up look like a biker gang yeah, that's, in business that's what suits I meant by, like evil evil organization tm like they're very generic like yeah you know? <laughs> um there there is one that becomes important next episode but not in this episode mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so the big thing to note about this episode is we finally get to catch up with the plot that started at the end of season four with uh darius's brother uh, finding out that his brother was alive and trying to figure out a way to go to the island to try and rescue him. Um, and he meets up uh, with the... Uh, the uh, uh, What are they called? Why, why am I missing the... The counselors? counselors? Thank you. <laughs> My brain was just like... Yeah, yeah. I was so glad to see them yes. back. My yeah. gosh. It, Been waiting the entire series for them to come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just to get the, the reference out of the way, yes, they are both wearing... Uh, the Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant outfit from Jurassic Park 1 uh, as a reference. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the biggest moment in this episode. Uh, to uh, it, The the other thing is, is that so uh, she misses the date and it, it causes a rift between her and Kenji. Brooklyn and Kenji uh, they were together last season as awkward as that was in general. Uh, because I never felt any chemistry between the two of them. Um, but then, yeah, immediately, now we're in episode two, they immediately get a rift driven between them, especially because Brooklyn was investigating his dad. Uh, Kenji, of course, does not believe the evidence that his dad is evil at this point. Uh, and uh, it just it just causes a rift between the campers. Like I said, I'm going to talk about that least favorite moment. I'll go into more specifics yeah. on Kenji's arc. Um Next episode, which just a quick yeah. note about the the plot of this season in general with the uh, mind controlling of the dinosaurs. It's something. It's it kind of sums up the series overall, in the sense that it's a good idea. Sure, that fits with like the theme of it fits with the themes established by the original movie Jurassic Park. Like, oh, you can't have control. It's not going to get your way. And just like the rest of this this specific TV series, it's just too on the nose. Like they're literally taking control of the dinosaurs. Yeah. You and know, they're, they're literally controlling just, the dinosaurs with a PlayStation Four controller. Like, and I know that. Yeah, and I know they want to bring down the themes to a point where someone younger could understand yes. them. Um, but give your audience, a, even at a, a younger age, give them a little yeah. credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was my only thing. I like the idea of it somewhat, but execution is just on the nose <laughs> yeah and it, it gets it gets ridiculous really fast 
Um, and I think that it only becomes acceptable later on because by the end of this season, you just have to kind of accept that that's how they can, they can control the dinosaurs that much. So I wish it would have been the, um, the wireless fences that we saw in Dominion. Okay. So that's, that's the big thing is they're trying this whole, uh, control of the dinosaurs was supposed to be kind of a tie into Dominion. Uh, but it's just done so silly here that it just doesn't it doesn't work very well with Dominion and it, 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 I don't know it's a little what we haven't even gotten to the final episodes of the season so well, when yeah. we get to the most ridiculous part of it I feel like that's when it becomes a big deal you mean when it becomes uh, basically a sequel to Jurassic Park Warpath yes, yes. <laughs> which yep. I appreciated for that but I don't appreciate uh-huh. it as a canon thing in the Jurassic universe. <laughs> nope, Jurassic Park Warpath now is now canon. is now Absolutely. canon. That was just different companies uh, fighting their dinosaurs. Um, but anyway, moving on through the through the season. So Battle Lines is the next episode. Uh, Kenji asks his friend to back his friends to back off and stay out of his father's business. Uh, they're willing to uh, to risk breaking his trust because, of course, they know what's actually happening. In a very horrific scene with uh, with a big Edie, where we see the mind control actually being used for the first time, where we see her like not able to move, and it's 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 really effectively like scary. Um, but um, of course, this all eventually leads to the big investor sequence, where uh, it, it's the it's the thing that you're going to see as the Tokyo Lives image for this episode, where uh, Mr. Khan is controlling like literally uh, two raptors, the Rex and the Spino, to make a big presentation, um, and yeah, that was definitely the splash page of yes, the season. Yeah. And uh, he 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 does that, and the individual bad guys, uh, trademark trademark, all grab their own dinosaur, and they decide to have them fight, uh, aka Warpath. Uh, we get our first reference to uh, the Rex versus the Spino, which we'll get a couple more by the end of the season. Um, Is a reference just they're the straight fighting, up? Yeah, <laughs> they fight. Yeah, okay. I didn't recognize any. Sp- oh, I guess you always get the uh, spino neck yeah, grab. Yeah, yeah. That's always yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just a tease here because I I thought this was going to be the big reference, but then yeah, then we get the final couple episodes. So, um, so uh, biggest thing that happens in this episode is Cash is killed by the Raptors after the campers break the control for the Raptors. Uh, good riddance. <laughs> Wait, that happens in episode three? I think that no, happened later. Yeah, it's episode three, man. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Uh, Cash gets killed by the Raptors. Uh, we also get the full break of trust between uh, Darius, Ben, Yaz, uh, Yaz, and Brooklyn, and Kinji. Uh, Kinji is now fully on the side of his father, and it's just like, my father is the best man I've ever known. Um, that was something that, that um, I was a little disappointed yeah. by. They were talking smack about him, like, almost immediately. Like, they have been through some stuff. Like, they really have grown close throughout these last few seasons. And I like that Darius just kind of shut down. But I was, I thought it was weird that, that, like, Ben and, uh, not Sammy, but, uh, Yaz were so quick to just be throwing Kenji under under the the bus. bus So much. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, it's understandable a little later once we see that, you know, Kinji is controlling Toro. But, um, yeah, like at this point, it is a little weird that just, they just immediately are just like, no, Kinji's the worst. He's the worst character ever. Um, Although I did like that Ben is kind of reverting back. He's not reverting back to his former self, but I like that, um, you know, he was bullied by Kinji quite a bit. So <laughs> if anyone was going to lose trust the fastest, it's going to be him. Who's like, hey, you guys had a good first meeting with Kenji. I did. Yeah. True. So, uh, moving on to episode four. Uh, a stunning betrayal lands the friends in lockdown, where they unpack their feelings and plot their escape. Kenji follows his uh, his father back to Isla Nublar. Um, so, okay, so we learn that the one investor who is still with us uh, is actually working for Biosyn, which is great. Uh, let's bring Biosyn in here. Uh, we're about to get... Uh, uh, to the episode that is, uh, you know, Dodgson. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, okay, so in this episode, this is the start of basically the majority of the rest of the season, where we have the two groups doing their own thing on two separate islands. Um, mm-hmm. It's a familiar story trope to split up the action like this. I personally hate it. Um, I think that it's 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 just very overdone. Um, so you know you have. Well, I think you have to have a reason exactly. to do it. Yeah. You know. Um, but it's it's just in this in in this season, I think it's probably the weakest moment of the season. Is they split the cast uh, apart from each other. Um, we see all these moments where Kenji is learning that his father is uh, you know is evil over the next few episodes, but because he. He's so separated from the rest of the campers, like, and all the rest of the campers are so convinced that he is just the worst person in the world. It ends up affecting the last two episodes where it feels really like rushed to make everybody kind of like forgive Kenji within the last two episodes. Well, <laughs> I also think if you're going to split the party, um, A, there needs to be consequences. Yes. Um, which the consequences could be here that, you know, we see Kenji. Uh, I like Kenji's side, where he's actually seeing, like, hey, these people with my dad, who all trust him, are bad guys. Why is my dad with them? I don't feel right being with them. What's wrong? Like, we see yes. Kenji figuring it out. I like all of that. All the Isla Nubar stuff, I, I like a lot. The uh, Meanwhile, on the secret <laughs> island, uh, the Manicor Island, uh, you know, they're building a dam and trying to make a watering hole for the animals. And, and almost trying to home alone the yes. island so that they're ready for them coming back. But there's no consequences that to whatever. When they come back, everything they did didn't matter True. to like defending Funny the island. Funny enough, though, in my opinion, the episode where they are trying to make the watering hole and they're just doing normal camper stuff is my favorite episode of the season. So, for the for the yes, <laughs> but I'm just for the yes, character no, moments, exactly. not for the no, plot yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, no, yeah, for the overarching. That's plot, what I'm talking yeah, about. For the overarching I'm, plot, you're right. Like the camper stuff. If if it's Isla Nublar plot versus uh, Manicore Island plot, I'm I'm saying the Isla Nublar was more interesting because it was actually Kenji yes. dealing with his father, which is the whole season's arc. Whereas the individual moments, kind of like the date in the first episode, that was the character plot. Yeah. You know, no, no, I agree. And that's yeah. that that wasn't great in the first episode, but the character plot in the episode you're talking about is yes. actually great. Um. Yep. 
There so anyway, go. so uh, this episode is uh, it also sees the return of a character from season three, uh, the the mercenary Hawks, uh, who was uh, most recently seen with uh, with Wu when Wu came back to the island uh, at the beginning of Fallen Kingdom to get uh, the, uh, the 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 Indominus's DNA and the laptop and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, it was that cool was to see cool. him back for sure. Um, there was actually a, a moment that I thought he might turn to be good, kind of similar to how, um, uh, the one mercenary that was working with the hunters in season two, like ended up siding with the campers. Mm-hmm. I thought, uh, the moment with Toro and, and Kenji using Toro to save him, I thought was going to be a moment where he was actually going to like end up siding with the campers by the end. But it turns out that he's just a villain he's a bad guy which that's the character returning that i cared about is toro yeah we haven't gotten there yet but yes um so when they're on nublar i guess just to give some plot from kenji's side of things the whole reason they go back to nublar is to get more dna and more uh, uh dino junk for dodgson and for biosyn so that they can create their uh, what eventually becomes the Biosyn Valley that we see in Dominion. Um, mm-hmm. So we get some really good moments of, uh, not just in this episode, but in the next episode where Dodgson is requesting, like, I want more DNA. I want DNA from a Which, uh, uh, carnivore I will say, and stuff. now that we've seen Dominion, mm-hmm. I appreciate a lot how similar the building on Manicor Island is in architecture yes. to the Biosyn building. Exactly. That was not known until we saw Dominion. 100%. And it makes more yep. sense why Season 5 was released after Dominion instead of before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of little things like that as far as this season is concerned uh, that come into come into play when you look at it as a part of the greater Jurassic franchise. Um, and I think <clears throat> Dodson's involvement in this season is perfectly done because I, I, I like how we get to see him as just this nerdy is because in this he's not ceo of the company yet he's like still a middleman in the company uh yeah and i thought point. it was very true to book dots and that yes. he wanted to come here and do it himself yes exactly you know and he kept he kept the and i think he was he wasn't just a middleman he was keep like he had the prospectus for where he wanted the company to go in his backpack exactly yeah so he yeah. must have been at a higher level that he could pitch himself as the CEO, you know? He was trying to rise in the company is what it was. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is just which is um, nice to see because in, in Dominion, it is a little weird. Like, oh, so the snivelly guy that we saw in Jurassic Park is suddenly the leader of this. Yeah, because he wasn't multi- even management in Jurassic Park. He was the guy nobody liked to work with. Yes. Who they sent to do the dirty work of the company, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, um, I will say one disappointing thing is they were looking for more DNA and he found the Barbasol can, and that wasn't the DNA they needed. You know? I mean, here's the thing. That Which I know it has a shelf life yeah, of 48 hours. I know, but they could have very easily been like, yes, but the technology we have now to extract that DNA is so much better, we could still get something from this. They could have, but I appreciated how... I, I actually really liked how they handled the Barbasol can. Number one, because it was it was kind of a funny, like, cursed moment of the fact of, like, whoever owns the Barbasol can is going to be cursed to die uh, by Dilophosaurus. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's just funny knowing how that all ends up. Like, I, I really appreciate that. I just wish there would have been also a little more to it than 
Yes. He happened to be crawling at the time and found it, you know? Yes, I agree with that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the next episode is Shaky Ground. Uh, something unsettling is sending the dinosaurs into a frenzy on both islands. Um, this is a key thing to note that I, I actually want to bring up later. Um, Darius and Brooklyn pour their energies into problem solving, uh, trying to find out uh, how to prevent uh, Mr. Khan from uh, replicating the brain chips. Um, and Kenji finally dis- uh, chooses a side, uh, even though uh, the campers back home, back on the Manticore Island don't get to see how that, uh, how that decision plays out. They still think that Kenji's just awful. Um, this is our return of Toro and Chaos, uh, one of the surviving uh, Baragon sibling or Baragon. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, the the trouble of having a kaiju podcast. Yes, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, oh god, why can't I think of the name? What is the Baryonyx? Baryonyx, thank you, Jesus. My brain was just like, oh, Baragon is what you're trying to say, right? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 the triplets, the baryonyx triplets. Uh, now, when we get to it, it's Ankylosaurus, not Angerus, just so you yes, know. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, so Toro and Chaos, uh, the, the yellow coloration uh, of the triplets, return and get brain controlled in this episode. Um, big thing was Toro is being controlled by Kinji, uh, which is just kind of an ironic thing of like the big threat from season one is now completely subservient to the camper. Um, Which it did seem like, so this is another little issue I had. Um, When the campers see Kenji controlling Toro, they're almost more upset with that than they are with Bumpy being controlled. Yes, And it's like, you guys blew Toro up. (laughs) <laughs> like, you can't be more upset about him controlling Toro specifically. Yes. <laughs> um, so we do get some interesting things here. Uh, so when uh, Brooklyn and Darius are hacking into the computer, we do find out that um, one of the possible plot holes that uh, I've thought about since season two, uh, when they set off the distress beacon from the, that they steal from Rexy's uh, nest that she's setting up, uh, Manticore actually intercepted that transmission and shut it down, um, which is which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that this episode really establishes is it establishes that, uh, and we talked about this a little spo- in spoiler free, but without getting into specifics. But it establishes that all of the dinosaurs on Manticore Island are stolen from Nublar and Sorna. They're not new clones. None of the dinosaurs that we see on Manticore Island are new clones from Manticore. Manticore does not do cloning. They are a tech company. And I think that's a big deal because in season four, it was very unclear what Manticore was. Like, yeah. we did not know what they were. We assumed that they were another Biosyn or another And engine. we already have, yeah, we already have the other genetics company we care about. Yes. So it didn't make sense uh, within the the story building or the world building to have these two genetics companies that were right preying on Jurassic world, which is why, um, yeah, which is why we all were like, why, why wasn't Manticore just Biosyn in season four? But which I like that it's just a, a, you know, a Silicon Valley tech company. Yes. That's trying to get their piece of the pie. I like that which a lot. Which does excuse 
which which made the Brad X's and the Brad's in general actually like make sense to me because now it's like oh it's not a random like biotech company that made robots no this is a a tech company that has advanced ai and all sorts of advanced technology that happens to have these robots like i can i just would have preferred the brad x's not be agreed (laughs) you know mecha dinosaurs like make them like uh like the actual robot dogs we have running around you know which is what the Brads are. I think the Brad X is the problem, not the Brads, because the Brads are yeah, the dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, regardless, it was still. I think that was a big moment of like aha for me watching this season. Was was when we got revealed that yeah, like all the dinosaurs on Manticore Island were stolen from, uh, from Sorna or Nublar, and I think that really makes Manticore Island not a bad piece of canon. It makes it like. I kind of understand now. Like Manticore, mm, I still have problems with the holographic dome. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, it's a little it's nature still, of it. It's still a that. little too high tech. Sure, but I think yeah. that like the overall question of where did these dinosaurs come from was a big problem I had in season four, and this is the episode that revealed it and made it make sense to me. And I was like, okay, yes. Like now Agreed. I understand. Also, you know, we do have the soft cannon, and I know we're going to talk about the dinosaurs eventually, but, like, we now know that Big Edie is actually the the doe from Lost World, and mm-hmm. Little Edie is uh, a, a new child of the buck and the doe. Uh, that was... I don't know, that was a little confusing. I saw the creator's uh, conversation on Twitter about that. It was very vague, but I think with the way that this show ends, and with the fact that we do know the buck and the doe end up in... Bison Valley, like I can kind of put a timeline together now. You know what I mean? Like, but why not just make it the the young Rex as well? Well, I mean, why they have? Why they have to be you, a second? If you go by fan canon, the young Rex died by the spider. I know the young Rex is Jurassic Park three. <laughs> yeah, but that's not confirmed either. They could have canonized something that's, here. Okay. I'll talk about that in my final actual thoughts of the show because that's that's a, I think I feel like that's a big problem that this movie and Dominion both shared is they were too afraid to actually like really settle things in the canon. Instead, they it's were like, the it's the Star Wars sequel trilogy problem yes, all over again absolutely. when they refused to to blow up Coruscant. One hundred percent. It's like this vague yep. like it could be. Like no, you're you're the movie. You're the thing that's in the franchise. <laughs> you're the one that sets that. You're the one that tells us. Like stop. If you're gonna call yourself Star Wars Episode Seven, you have to have the confidence to be a real Star Wars movie. <laughs> to actually say yes, this is what happened, and we can go cool, thumbs up. Or if we hate it, we can say thumbs down, but we still have to accept it as yes, that's canon. Uh... <laughs> the only thing I do like about this is the fact that. Um, you could say this is just the second Rex from the book, the second child. True. Yes. Um, which yeah, yeah, which is very possible. But uh, I mean, but it is also. I mean, once again, from from the end of Lost World to uh, Fallen Kingdom, which is where this movie takes place in timeline wise, like that's a long period of time. Of course, the Rexes would have another set of eggs and clutch another clutch of uh, babies. So like, it makes sense. Still, it, it's still it's still could work i just wish they had actually officially said it just in the same way that the spinosaurus is never officially said to be the spinosaurus from sorna even though we all know it's supposed to be 
but it's never officially said. You know what I mean? It's it's just kind of weird. Which, what are they holding out for? Do they I, think there's going to be some other movie or TV show put in this timeline that's like, okay, now this is the real Spinosaurus. I don't know. And, like, it also really frustrated me in that same interview because he was talking about the Spinosaurus. And he was like, well, it sounds different, so it might not be the same Spinosaurus. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds different because you guys screwed up the freaking sound design of the Spinosaurus. <laughs> That's Don't f- excuse yourself being like, well, it just sounds different. Like, no, no you made that call. Like, you're, uh, Well, then, not... you also have the, <laughs> then you also have the Dinosaur Protection Group marketing team for both Fallen Kingdom and Dominion. Yes. Retconning everything left and yes. right. Like apparently that Spinosaurus and all the raptors from Jurassic Park 3 are dead because they overhunted the island and then in the <sighs> Jurassic Park or the Jurassic World uh Dominion lead up, we saw that Spinosaurus running around in like Scandinavia or something and we, like And the all the uh, the raptors are now on the mainland. Um, yeah, yep. it's makes no sense. None of it makes any sense. <laughs> All right, we've got it. We, let's let's get through the rest of the episodes. Sixth episode. Uh, this is the actual episode with Dodgson uh, from Biosyn. Uh, it gives our big Dominion tie-ins. He picks up the Barbasol can. Uh, he makes a fun reference. He gets attacked by Dilophosauruses. The great reference. Um, honestly, once again, the Dilophosaurus in this season are handled so much better than last season. The only thing I was missing was the the Jeep on the yes. hill. Like the the rusted yeah. pieces of Jeep, like sitting at the top yeah. of the hill, that would have been, been amazing. Great. But I I did appreciate it. I mean, obviously we knew in Dominion he was going to have it from the instant they announced Dodgson was coming in. We were like, oh well, he's going to have the can. Like no duh. Like they got to make that connection. Um, but yeah. uh, but it was cool to see him get it. Uh, once again, I I love I do love the cyclical nature of if you're in possession of that can, you're going to die by Dilophosaur. Sorry. That's just going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I hope somebody else gets it. Some other future <laughs> villain. Um, okay, so uh, Kenji finally um, realized... This is the episode that really like, sets in stone that uh, his dad is evil as far as Kenji is concerned. This is the episode where he actually changes clothes. Uh, this is also the episode where he finds out that uh, much to his... Uh, dismay. He told his father not to take Bumpy, but in fact, his father still grabbed Bumpy as a uh, uh, thing for Biosyn to make clones of. Uh, now we're heading towards the big uh, confrontation. We're halfway through the season, uh, where they're taking all these all these uh, dinosaurs that they're capturing on the on Nublar to the Manticore Island, including Toro, including uh, the the one of the remaining triplets of the Baryonyx. Um, and all the other ones, um, which I have to say end of this episode, I was like, wow, okay. This season's been pretty good. I guess I only have one or two more episodes. (laughs) And then, because the way the plot was like, felt like it was wrapping up. They were going back to the Island. Like, and then you realize, oh my gosh, there's like five more, six episodes left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, we also uh, get uh, Dr. May uh, Turner actually ends up uh, staying behind on the island. Uh, Kenji covers from her uh, for her, uh, letting her run away and also run into the counselors and uh, Darius's brother uh, to tell them, hey, no, yeah, everybody's alive. They're on this weird island in the distance somewhere. I apparently know how to get there because the plot needs me to know how to get there. Uh, <laughs> um, so 
my favorite episode of the season uh, is episode seven, The Leap. Uh, this episode is the episode that really uh, it focuses in on being the campers. So the last episode pretty much completely took place on Nublar. This episode actually takes place for the most part on Manticore Island with our campers, uh, with Sammy uh, having to figure out a way to make the water can make a, a new watering hole. Uh, Yaz and Ben have a great uh, friendship moment where Yaz opens up to him about her feelings about Sammy. Uh, uh, <laughs> Darius and uh, Brooklyn uh, are the bait for Big Edie and Little Edie to keep them away from the watering hole while it's getting set up uh, in a very fun sequence of events. Uh, and yeah, this episode for me, the reason why I like it so much is it, it, it felt like classic camp rotation. I, I know that's a weird thing to say. You know, this, this, this show has only been out for the last few years. But it felt so... It felt like a, a self-contained story about the campers on an island infested with dinosaurs. And that's... Well, also, them dealing with their... And this I don't just mean relationship in the sense of, like, a romantic couple. Yes. But I think what the earliest season did really well was focused on their relationships with each other without it being cringy or, or you yeah, know, too kitty. Exactly. Like, their relationships to each other were important and why they got together as a group, and uh, this episode had that in space. Yes. And I, I it, honestly, like, some of the best moments in this episode, it's not going to be my favorite moment from the show, but, like, uh, the conversation with Yaz and Ben... Uh, is just, it's such a, it feels so authentic. It feels like a real conversation that two people would have. And I appreciated the writing of it because uh, so much of this show post season three has been very stilted, very. And you have to address the fact that of course, Yaz and Sammy's relationship is going to get called out as like woke. Like they wanted to push that in for no reason. I thought they set it up pretty well over the last few seasons and that it's a very, you know, um, you know, I have very close relationships with people within the community. I thought this was a very good portrayal of a, I mean, of just a real couple figuring out they have feelings for each other. hundred percent. I agree. It doesn't feel forced or, or that some committee came up with it. I thought it was just a good depiction of a relationship. Just to call, just to call some of these people out just because I have to like, so all the people that complained about the kiss and the, the romantic relationship here had like no problem with, uh, Kenji and Brooklyn getting together last season. So all of the people that are like, Oh my God, you're showing like underage kids get into a relationship. Like, yeah, but you didn't say a damn thing last season with a heterosexual relationship. So at the end of the day, and I think, I think these people, (laughs) Yeah, they have to come in terms of the fact that, like, what are you actually angry about? Because if it's just, if it's just the fact that, yeah, it's it's two girls in a relationship, then you know where your yes. issue is. It's not the relationship or kids having a relationship in general. Because hey, we all went to summer camps. Yes. I most of my memories were trying to hold a girl's hand at campfire on the last day. So that happened at that age, absolutely. Yes. Well, and also, I mean, um, but, I mean, and these kids, let's not forget, I mean, these kids are like 16, 17, some of them. Like, this is that age. Like, you know, like, we all had these, yeah. this, this moment at this age group. So it's, it's, un- it's it would be more unrealistic. 
I'm saying even if they were yes. younger, I still think it would make sense. No, I, you know, I agree. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, I, I thought it was handled really, really well. It's it's good stuff. Um, okay. And I appreciate that the other kids were like finally, or they were excited about it. You know, there wasn't any kind of conversation about it or anything. You know, they very could have easily tried to. Um, buffer it a little bit or explain it through the other children instead the other kids were just excited for them you know oh yeah i I loved all the kids relationships to it like brooklyn was like finally you know like uh, like all that stuff was great yeah um yeah okay so next episode um is um I, i misspoke a little earlier this is the episode where may actually escapes uh and she has her moment where they see the group of parasaurolophus like hiding their uh sick uh, sick, uh, sick uh, dinosaur. They're sick uh, elder, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, yeah, we we got that a little bit throughout the series, but I thought this the series in general had good moments of like dinosaur behavior yes. and what it could yes. could have been. You know, this season was at its best once again when it took its time to be. When it t- funny enough, when this season took its time to be away from the plot. It was at its strongest when it was during when it was dealing with the mind control and all the other Kenji's dad and Kenji being a jerk and all that stuff. That's well, I think the series in general, this series, Camp Cretaceous, is best when it remembers that people love dinosaurs and that it's a dinosaur show. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so this is the official episode where they leave the Isla Nublar to head back to uh Manticore Island, so we're setting up for our big uh finale. Um another key thing to note here is that once again we set up a couple episodes ago that there is some sort of earthquakes going on that's been causing a lot of havoc. Um what it felt like to me was they were set uh, obviously they're setting up Mount Saibo to go off uh, in Fallen Kingdom. See, I was confused by that, honestly, because they it seems that's what I thought they were setting up, but then it seems like they equate it all to the generator, right? Which is the which is the, the next power episode, plant. the core. Um, so yeah, but then it, it wasn't, wasn't seen at thought, all. Here's what I thought: I thought that the core was going to go off and it was going to set off like the 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 volcanic chain, right? Like I thought that's what was going to happen. That would have been cool yeah, actually. Because yeah. because actually I talked to several people, multiple people that were very confused about the campers not being on Nublar because they were like, but the earthquakes were having happening in both areas, like both islands that are miles and miles away from each other, but they never talk about it. They never explain it. It's just kind of shown. So like it's like, well, I guess it could be implied. It is, but that that's what was uh, happening. You know, but it's just. I really would have liked someone to be like, "Oh, I hope this doesn't have repercussions for the fault line nearby." Right, yeah. You know, it just it just feels weird. Um, it's a little it's a little out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So in the core, uh, so basically they realize that the core is going to explode. Um, it's a good Chekhov's gun moment for the last episode of the season to finish off a, a story arc. Um. We get which that's sorry yeah, to go ahead. harp on this one more moment. Uh, it is a good like the the whole volcano erupting on Nublar. I think is a better plot point than people give it credit yes. for, because all the way back to Jurassic Park, they were running off geothermal yes. energy. So 
you could absolutely say that both parks and the secret island probably absolutely contributed to the eventual eruption. I I think one of the Um, biggest problems with this is that we don't, we never see a map that confirms where Manticore Island is in relation to the lower. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's obviously close. I mean, they got there with a boat that was barely working. Gets destroyed. So, but, but it's, but it's, so it's gotta be right there. But like, it would have been great at some point in this final season to see, you know, like just like we got in the Lost World where we see the map of the five deaths. Like it would have been nice to like actually see like, you know, Manticore Island on the right and then Nublar in the center. Hey, I've never gotten a firm. I've owned, I mean, gosh, a ton of maps from, uh, you know, fan made versus ones from different marketing schemes for the movies right. as they came out. Uh, to video games, and I still have no idea where the five deaths are uh, in, in Nublar in they're, relation to Costa they're Rica. They're 120 miles away from Nublar, is what the... Oh, in, in two pieces of media, yes. but in several other pieces, they are much, much yes, further away. But, I mean, like, but that's what it says at the beginning yeah. of Lost World, because it, it opens on... Because Jurassic Park opens on the mileage away from Costa Rica... Lost World opens yes. on the mileage away from Nublar, but that doesn't say where it is in relationship to Costa Rica. Yeah, is that closer to Costa Rica or is uh, that the Earth for, is yeah. a sphere? Like it could be 120 miles closer. To... Hey, don't bring your politics into the podcast. <laughs> all right. Um, but anyway, okay. So the core. So the biggest thing to note about this episode is they go down to try and fix the core that's trying to explode. Like I said, it's a Chekhov's gun to hint at what the plot that they're, they're going to use to you know, to make Kenji's dad think that the island's about to explode later. Uh, but uh, we don't, obviously we don't know that's going to be a Chekhov's gun until it happens, but I've seen worse Chekhov's guns. It's okay. Um, there is uh, a lot of character moments here. Some more like establishing the Yaz and Sammy relationship. There's, uh, you know, the affirmation that, Kenji is uh, a bad guy to the campers because he arrives controlling Toro still at the dock. And then, of course, they see Bumpy and that causes Ben to run away to try and go save Bumpy on his own, uh, which is next episode, uh, which is Arrival. Um, And when so Ben has a whole moment where he's trying to save Bumpy. Uh, It's a big moment between him and Kenji. Like, of course, Ben is super pissed that Kenji brought bumpy and is mind controlling him and uh kenji's trying to explain that no no no, i had no idea like i was i found out when we were already on the ship and i'll do whatever i can to help you get him back and um there's a there's a great fight scene here with uh with ben and uh kenji trying to save bumpy from the the hunters uh who are using their ps4 controllers to control bumpy uh, and of course, eventually, because it's a TV sh- a kid show, they do break uh, the control on Bumpy with the power of love uh, <laughs> and friendship. Oh, are we already getting to least favorite moments or <laughs> can I hold that back? Uh, we're almost done with the episodes. There's only two left. Um, okay, just checking. No, no spoilers for mine. No spoilers. But, you know. All right. So last stand. So this is the 11th episode. Uh, so we're finally getting to the end. So uh, I haven't mentioned it yet before, but whenever uh, Kenji and his father were off of the island, Brooklyn and Darius uh, de- destroyed. They they ended up destroying all of the backup plans for the 
uh, for the uh, mind control chips, with the exception of one they didn't know about until right at the beginning of this episode, where they find out one of the destroyed Brad X's has the plans for the chip in its mouth on a USB stick. Also kind of a dumb plot point. (laughs) Very dumb plot point. So this whole episode is uh, them splitting up and trying to find which Brad X still has has that chip, has the uh, flash drive in it. Uh, They end up running into the Spinosaurus in the desert area again uh, while the hunter guys are chasing after them, trying to find the, the, the USB stick. There's a confrontation that happens. Uh, they do end up getting away, but of course, in this process, the Spinosaurus is now under the mind control of the hunters. Um, we get, uh, we get, uh, oh, what's the word? What I'm trying to think of. Uh, Kenji is finally trying to re- rejoin his friends now that they've got Bumpy back. Um, and the big finale of this episode is that we get our lineup for the fight that's going to happen in the next episode. And it even starts at the end of this episode, if I remember correctly. It doesn't get very far, but it starts uh, where uh, we have all the dinosaurs that are not under any sort of mind control that are just hanging out at the uh, watering hole that uh, the uh, Big Edie is the alpha of. Uh, So... Even the herbivores kind of follow Big Edie's kind of rulings, um, which is an interesting dynamic, but I feel like they just don't go into it well enough. Um, well, I think it's interesting that these, um, they don't go into this at all, but, I, you know, since that we know that these aren't newly cloned dinosaurs, these are dinosaurs from Sorna and Nublar, um, they're used to a zoo setting and, and not necessarily having to hunt for their food and stuff all the time. So... The the watering hole is kind of a return to being back mm-hmm. in Jurassic World or Jurassic Park where they're like, oh, someone's taking care of us. We don't have to go maul each other, you know? Yes. Yeah. And so we get... The biggest thing is... Um, God, I, there's so many moments that I want to miss in, his leaf, in Leaf's favorite moments. Not because I hated the season, but um, we get our big um, tease or, you know, like our... Uh, at the end of this episode, the Spino and, and Big Edie have a big fight. Uh, we get our another our actual Rex versus uh, the Spino fight again. And it ends the exact same way that the Jurassic Park 3 won, which stressed me the hell out. I know. I, uh, I could feel I was so you bad. miles and miles away just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> I literally, because I was texting into the Discord chat as it was happening. And when it happened, I just, in all caps, Kyle's getting upset. Like, it's <laughs> just like, just fuming. I was just like, oh, are you kidding? I, like, it's not that I necessarily wanted the Rex to win, but like, come on, you can't do the same thing again. Like, you know, and like in my brain, I knew I was like, okay, that's not going to be how this ends. Well, like, to me, it's no like, why, it's, it's like, it why do it even? Like, you yeah. know, it's just going to trigger the fan base, which it's not a good reason to not do something, but just to have it come back and be like, oh, it's actually okay. And now it's going to win. Like, what was the <laughs> point? What did you, what was, yeah. you, what feelings were you pushing there? Right. Well, and once again, it's all set up for the end of, for this next episode. I know. It, it, it's it, bad. Setup, what happens though. here is not what happens. That's why it is. It has a cliffhanger ending. Is you know, when, really it, when an animal's up. eyes go wide and then stops moving, and you hear a specific crunch. Yeah. To to me, you just telegraph that it's dead. I don't need a comeback from that. 
<laughs> Honestly, I, I wasn't expecting Big Edie to come back. I thought it was going to be Little Edie that was going to get the kill. I thought she, Little Edie, the No, but then Rex. they would have affected the cannon in any way, which they're not big on. Yeah, so. which they wouldn't do. Yeah, Once yeah. again, yeah. Um, anyway, um, so one of the other big things is, is we actually get the uh, we get the death of the last of the ones that need to die here of the Baryonyx uh, triplets, uh, Limbo. Uh, the one that's here does die in the battle, uh, which leaves the only one left alive, which is the blue one, which is still on Nublar, which we all see in Fallen Kingdom yep, with yep. magma and all that good stuff. Um, and when I say all that good stuff, the stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, I'm not it's, talking it's about Fallen Kingdom. It's iconic imagery, Kyle, now. Yes, all yes, right. yes. Um, uh, so this whole battle is them trying to... So the campers are trying to break the mind control on all the dinosaurs that have been brought here. Uh, the uh, Obviously, the villains are trying to use the mind-controlled dinosaurs to uh, kill the campers at this point, uh, except with the exception of Brooklyn, who has the password to get into the plans. Which I'm okay with uh, the bad guys being bad, but, you know, A, these, these two goons, it's like they yes. had leftover assets in Unreal that they had yes. to make people out of, and they were like, okay, throw some shades on them. They're both bald. Why not? Um, they have a jacket on, I guess. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like they didn't want to make characters. They just needed two people wearing sunglasses. Yes. And then, of yes. course, those people are, like, giddily trying to flat-out murder children. Like, it's just... Absolutely. It's a little yeah. much. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it definitely is. Um it... I didn't talk about her death because it's so unimportant to the rest of the plot, but the girl that that was working for Biosyn uh, earlier in the season gets a very like unenthusiastic death and kill. It's just not important. And like a lot of people that I've seen talking about the season uh, post it coming out have been pointing out how the girl should have just been, uh, uh, the Bond supervillain girl from Dominion. Yeah, that would have been the, cool. The Trosseraptor sequence. Yeah, like, it should have been her. Like, because then it would have at least been like a character that we know, and like you know, she didn't have to die randomly. Um, Which yeah, speaking it, of deaths, we didn't talk about it a lot either. But I thought Cash's death was pretty cool. The whole being Cash's death was good. Yeah, since yeah. he's so he's so you know guaranteeing that the control system's working, and then suddenly the Raptors behind him aren't in control. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciated his death. I, I just, um, I skipped over it because it's just, it, yeah, it happens, and then there's no repercussions. But I thought they gave it. him a decent death, is all I mean. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely like a hell yeah moment from me watching it because I was, I hated Cash so much. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that's, it's all good. But uh, okay, so yeah, Nublar Six is the final episode of the show. Um, so we get our final fight. Um, we get a moment with, uh, the Spinosaurus being, uh, mind controlled and almost killing Darius with the final, uh, Rex versus Spino fight kind of ending on a really like lame note. Honestly, it just kind of has Big Edie showing back up with no wounds and then they team up Big Edie and little Edie team up and chase away the Spino. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you have a section for this, for this episode, mm -hmm. but I thought, what you just said about the wounds of the dinosaurs and the character yeah. models of the people was, was pretty lazy over the last couple seasons in the sense that yeah. even when the kids had access to working bathrooms and, and could have freshened up and yeah. stuff, 
they still had dirt all in their arms you know and what? legs and exposed skin. I'll, I'll, add an, I'll add a section for that towards the end because yeah. I, I actually do have a lot to say about that. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, so we get our final confrontation, of course. Um, so, they trick uh, uh, Kinji's dad into thinking that the island is about to explode. Uh, and it's this, it's this Kinji's dad runs away and is like, you're going to come with me. Like, you know, you're still my son. And there's a big moment of, uh, choice, I suppose, where Kinji officially decides that his dad is a crazy person. Um, and then, uh, then we get our actual emotional, like ending for the show where, uh, the counselors and Darius's brother show up. Um, and and May as well as the, uh, the the scientist as well, they show up to the island, and of course the campers are saved, um, and it's where we finally get our flash forward uh, to the end of Fallen Kingdom, uh, and we have uh, Kinji and Darius who are now I guess adopted siblings. Uh, Kinji is rich and he's keeping Manticore Island running, um, and then you have. Uh, Let's see. Kenji is still in a relationship with Brooklyn now. They've worked out their differences. Uh, Sammy and Yaz are still in a relationship, and Ben is like on like a uh, like a scholarship to go study the dinosaurs on Manticore Island. I personally, um, if I no one asked this, but I personally think that Ben had the best glow up um, <laughs> of everyone. I thought he, you know, he his character design was the coolest improved of all of them. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um yeah, and then we get the we think we get the cool moment where Brooklyn is she's apparently still being a uh, in like investigative reporter kind of an idea and she's like something weird's happening with the Lockwood Manor. I don't know yet uh, to tell you enough Darius, but you should keep an ear out and see, you know, since you're right north of it. And then we get the moment where he hears a stomping and then we get the moment of the brachiosaur putting Which I really the thought they were going to do the T-Rex for some reason. But, I thought too because because Rexy goes to the to the zoo the San Diego Zoo so I was like oh but I'm like, glad maybe, it was the Brachiosaurus because I feel like his it's fitting well his yeah. his seeing the Brachiosaurus in season one was probably the most iconic image from yes. the series in its inception and so yes. I really like that it was a Brachiosaurus again uh, I, I I relate that to him I mean the Brachiosaurus is always gonna have that 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 iconicness to no i know but i think it relates to him more now in my mind of the series like that was his dinosaur you know true true yeah but um but yeah i mean it's it's a fun ending uh i i really really enjoyed the the jump forward in time i think they could have done more with it like i feel like i I kind of already mentioned that the last three episodes kind of seemed a little rushed like it was like you know, oh, we got to make Kenji like be best friends with all the campers again. Oh, we've got to, you know, we're going to throw the Spino versus T Rex fight in because everybody's been wanting it, but we're not going to make a satisfying conclusion to it. I get the feeling uh, they had some bolder choices and they walked them back. Yeah. And I think yeah, it's, it's, I if it's like, that. like I think Big Edie dead and then Little Edie kills the Spino in the end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, things like 100%. that. 100%. And I think they yeah. walked them back. Uh, like some studio notes, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. Cause little lady, little lady coming in and killing the spine. would have been like, look, fist pumping, like, yeah. Yeah. Moment for, for, for me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, so once again, overall the show, this season 
as a as an individual is maybe not the best for sure. Like it's definitely got a lot of individual problems per episode. But uh, as a whole, with the rest of the show, I think that's where it shines. Um, because every season has had their low points. Um, maybe with the exception of season one. But uh, anyway, so to keep us rolling. Um, so let's move into the dinosaurs. And obviously we don't have a lot to talk about the dinosaurs like design and stuff like that. Because it's it's the Jurassic design. <laughs> of all the dinosaurs. The only new thing is the Nothosaurus, which we can talk about. But um, I wanted to give a special shout out to uh, Big Edie and Little Edie because they were the best part of season four and they're the best parts uh, dinosaur-wise of this entire season. Uh, uh, hard to disagree, but yeah. Uh, well, okay. I mean, I, but... I like them. They were they were good um, dinosaur characters, which I think you have to talk about and talk about any Jurassic Park movie sure. or series. But um, a moment I'm going to talk about later in my favorite moments uh, uh-huh. is a dinosaur moment I thought was better. And then also Toro coming back and being there. I'm all about it. No, I've, I mean, I love Toro. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, the fact that, yeah, like, the that Big Edie and Little Edie were, were characters that were also not overly humanized characters. I I think that's a big thing that I really want to stress. Well, that's what I'm talking about Toro too. Toro didn't do a lot in yeah. this season, but the fact that he was being controlled by Kenji and he's this dinosaur that skin is all burned off. Like he represents a lot from the series just by true. being controlled and walked around in this season. True. So true. he has the, he has the best dinosaur character arc of the TV series in my mind of the show. Yes. Yeah. But of the season. I think big Edie and little Edie shine. Um, personally for me, for me, um, mm. I, I just love them so much. Uh, Toro, Toro, I, Toro. I, so I'm nah, say. I, I love Toro. <laughs> once again, I love Toro. I just think that like, once again, big Edie and little Edie show something in the Jurassic franchise that we have never seen before. I get you a hundred percent. Like, yeah. like once again, they are two Tyrannosaurus Rexes that are not uh, obsessed with just eating everything. Like, and that's something that we never get in this franchise is carnivores having a character that is outside of just like, I'm a hunter. I'm going to eat everything. And they are and legacies. I get they it. are. They, 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 from season four, even into this season, they are concerned with being family with the two of them. And then even then, like they don't hunt the humans, like unless they have to, uh, I love Darius's actually interactions with Big Edie, like are really really well done in my opinion. Um, I just I just love the two of them. They're they're great. And uh, whenever Big Edie had its moment where Big Edie looked like it was about to be dead, I actually did get sad. I got more angry because I was like, it's the Spino that did it, and like, are you fucking kidding me? But <laughs> like, I, I was still I did feel sad. I was like, no, like come on now, you can't do that. Um. But uh, yeah, at this point we should just start calling that Spino the Terminator. He's just he's just got a thing yeah. for T Rexes. He's just gonna go he just after hates it. T Rexes. Just gonna he's kill after. Him. He's literally like a John Connor scenario. He's after this one family, <laughs> and he's gonna take them out if he can. This one family of T Rexes, especially if Big E and Little E are related to uh, the lost yeah. Rexes. It's like there's a feature um, where a T Rex comes back and. <laughs> saves saves other T-Rexes from a Spinosaurus invading maybe, army. Yeah, maybe that Big Edie was not actually Big Edie that came back at the end. Maybe the real Big Edie died and it was actually Little Edie coming back from the future. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We've solved it. Um, 
So the Spinosaur. Um, okay, so here's the thing with the Spino. Um, I've talked about it before. I talked about it in depth in season four. I am so angry about the sound design for the Spinosaurus. I still am. I hate it. I They f- messed it up so bad. I, I, I actually texted you in the middle of me watching it mm-hmm. saying like, why do the Baryonyx sound more like the Spinosaur from sp- fucking Jurassic Park 3 than the actual <laughs> Spinosaurus that's supposed to be the same dinosaur from Jurassic Park 3? That doesn't make any sense. Like, why? Like, ah, it's so frustrating. Like, how could you mess it up that bad? Like, I I know how sound works in with big studio movies like this. I know that there is a library of all the Spinosaur roars that it made during Jurassic Park 3. Like, it's it's from 2000, you know, the early 2000s. It's not like that wasn't digitally recorded somewhere. Like you I know, mean, I at this point, it. I feel like there has to be something wrong with that original recording or some some reason somebody stuck their hand up and was like, no, we should change it. Right. There had to be something, you know? But it's but even to that point, like that's something I, uh, that really frustrates me. And it's a different franchise. With uh, we got we got lucky with Prey, but with Predator, like Predator, the Predator roars are all over the place. Post Predator Two, like they yeah. sound like lion roars. They sound like weird, like digital recordings of again when that original is so iconic it's like changing the godzilla roar (laughs) and that's and that's what pisses me off when it comes to the spino and and stuff like that is like if if your original recording of that roar is gone like okay like i get it to a certain extent but also i could pop the blu-ray of jurassic park 3 into uh, my computer and extract the roar from the spino sections and my use that sound, and it would sound amazing. Would my sound problem, my problem with the Spinosaurus is not its roar, which I do not care about as much as you do. Um, I mean, I care about it, but just not to that level where yeah. I, it like distracted me. Um, my problem is the Spinosaurus character. Yes, because the T Rex has always been the large predator that if you run across it, it's going to come after you, right? Mm-hmm. The Spinosaurus character in Jurassic Park 3, because it's a hybrid, uh, you know, technically throughout the lore of the series now. Um, which canon you follow. <laughs> I follow the Jurassic Park 3 canon. Um, <laughs> the Spinosaurus was different in that it wasn't like, oh, we better stay away from it so it doesn't come after us. No, it saw you. It's coming after you for the rest of its existence. Exactly. It is not going to stop until it gets you. Yes. And that is what made the Spinosaurus cool, and I wish they would have brought that into the series. Well, it's it's super frustrating in um Oh, what's the what's the word I'm trying to use? It, it's super frustrating with the Spino because they So the Spinosaur has a great moment. I I, I honestly was ex, was wasn't expecting it to be mind controlled. Because there's a great moment with Darius and them when they're in the desert area and they're like, well, we know where to lead them so that they can get killed, you know, or at least get chased away is to the Spino. Like, we can we can take them there. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, off screen somehow they insert the chip and now it's the Spino's a little, you know, mind-controlled little bitch the rest of the season. Yeah. And, like, it's just it just takes away from that, that Terminator-esque thing. Like, I almost would have rathered, like... It just being a dick to be a dick because that's kind of the Spino's character. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I almost would have rather like instead of them actually getting the mind control in, they just they just lured it to the battle 
and it just like decided to go after the Rexes because that's I think what it they should have shoved another sat phone down its throat, but that's just me. <laughs> There is, I, 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 sh- I got to give him a shout out because I know why they did it and they did it on purpose. There is a great moment when the Spino, during that big battle in episode 11, when the Spino is going after the Kintrasaur and it's on all fours for a split second, kind of like the traditional, like what the Spino actually looked like that we know now. Um, and I, I got to give them props for that because I yeah. didn't expect to see it. But when I saw it, I was like, I... You did that on purpose. There's no way that you didn't. Like you knew. Well, like, I also would have appreciated its biome not be the desert. Well, I know that, that was make the any point. <laughs> I know. Well, they made the biomes specifically. I think what they were implying. They never said it, but they made the biomes the opposite of what the creature actually needed, uh-huh. and that these creatures had been adapted to that. Yes. I think that was what they were implying, but they never outright said it. I think but I were, still yeah. really wish we could have gotten the spinosaurus swimming again. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we get we get a couple of like close moments with it whenever it's like in the water fighting the Rex and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but I want I want the alligator. Tail. No, I I hundred percent agree. I hundred percent agree. But but once again, I like I said, visual reference to it being more uh, on on its all fours than instead of yeah, straight up. Yeah, that was like, good. That was a great yeah. moment. Um, so okay, so the other dinosaurs. So we have a lot of returners. Uh, obviously, like Toro, we talked about. Uh, nothing different about his design. He's got the burned look that he had in season two slash the end of season one. I thought Bumpy looked a little more detailed in this season. Yeah. Like they had like, refreshed the... But just like everything else, and once again, I'll talk more in detail about this in animation in a little bit. Uh, the animation for Bumpy wasn't great at times. Like it seemed like it was a little off. Like the frame rate kind of was weird at times with how Bumpy was So, moving. okay, I thought this was purpose. I thought this was purposeful. Yeah. I almost thought... That they were doing almost a, a go motion thing with the dinosaurs of the season. They all looked like that. Yeah. Maybe it was a cut in the budget or something, but I, I thought it was intentional because it if was it, so obvious. If it was intentional, great. But I've never, I haven't seen anything written that it was, you know what I mean? Like since it came yeah. out. So I'm, I'm leaning towards that it was a cut in the budget. Because I think uh, all the dinosaurs were running at a lower frame rate than absolutely. we'd seen in the past. Yeah, and there's some weird. I'll talk about the animation stuff. I'm anyway. chalking it up to a, it being a go motion Phil Tippett yeah, there uh, you reference. As a reference. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So yeah. So Toro was there. Toro looked exactly like he did at the end of season one slash season two when Ben was fighting him. Uh, looked great. Was great. Love him. Um, uh, Baryonyx, same thing. Looked like season two when they showed all the triplets. Uh, looked fine. Looked good. Uh, Kentrosaurus, same thing for season four. Still was great to see another stegosaurid that is not just a stegosaur. That's great. Um, let's see. Uh, we get, uh, the return of Parasaurolophus for a brief moment on Nublar. Uh, no glow bros this time though. (laughs) Well, I appreciated how the, there were different colorations to all the Parasaurolophus. So some of them probably were the glow ones, but we just, it was during the day, so we didn't get to see them. Just uh, missed my glow bros. Yeah. And then uh, we got to see a Ceratosaur. It was the red-headed Ceratosaur from Jurassic Park 3. Great to see another one of those. Uh, we got to see another Dimorphodon, a.k.a. the Pterodactyls with T-Rex heads, as my as Marissa describes them. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's exactly what they are. <laughs> uh, got to see another one of those. Uh, we got some Velociraptors. These are the same Velociraptors from season four. So they're like this weird, like visually undistinct Velociraptors. They're just like. Well, I think they were trying color. to do like the 
like Jurassic Park one Raptors. Yeah, but they have the Jurassic World design. Um, so yes. it's a little it's a little wonky. Um, I don't think that can be helped. But no, <laughs> uh, did did have some great uh, some great quick moments of the Raptors teaming up with Rexes fighting the Spino. Uh, that was fun. Uh, especially because it's a reference to one of the original scripts for Jurassic Park 3 that didn't get made. Um, let's see. Who else did we have in this movie? Um, we had... Or the show. We had... Brachiosaurus. Oh, the Nothosaur. Yeah, let's talk about the Nothosaur. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the Nothosaur is a cool dinosaur. It's a Triassic dinosaur, which I'm always a big mm-hmm. fan of them bringing in some Triassic dinosaurs because we don't have a lot of them. Late, late Triassic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's a big, um, big, like crocodile-shaped dinosaur, but he has a really long neck. So he's like a plesiosaur, but with legs instead of fins, I guess is mm-hmm. the way to describe him. Um, but he's great. He has some really fun moments. He's living in the sewers on uh, Manticore Island. Uh, he destroy uh, utterly destroys a Brad X uh, in the in the sewers, which is great. Um, and then we have a really fun uh, action sequence with him uh, trying to kill uh, the campers as they're trying to get the Nothosaur up to the surface, so it doesn't have to you know live in the sewers. I got anymore. the same feeling seeing it. As I did seeing Demetrodons in Dominion. Yes. It's like, you know what? This isn't the dinosaur that's on everybody's shelf, but man, was it a part of my childhood. It was nice. Yeah. It's still, it's still really nice. In fact, I believe there was a Nothosaur toy in the original Jurassic Park line. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so the Dilophosaurus, I guess to talk about them a little bit, yeah, like the, the sequences in this season are way better than the one that we had in the last season. Uh, we also do get some interesting uh, kind of Tokyo tidbits with them. Uh, so there are a couple of the Dilophosaurus that we see in this action sequence that uh, are the Dominion colors, uh, maybe hinting at like a sexual dimorphism um of like the maybe the males have a certain coloration to their frills and the females have a different coloration to their mm-hmm. frills, uh, which is cool. What we didn't nice. see, just like Dominion, is any variation in their size whatsoever. Nope, they're still the little baby, lame, tiny. Every single one. It's not even that I need a thirteen foot one at this point. I need to know that they can grow within inches of each other differently. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> the the th- the four foot tall one is not should not just be the standard across the board. Yeah. Um yeah. As much as we all know we would like to see the, the, the thirteen foot one because and that's again, how they how big I can they were. easily chalk it up to these are not the real dinosaurs, these are the Jurassic Park dinosaurs sure. that are hybrids. Sure. But still Again, it looks like they just copy and pasted the same model. I mean, they absolutely did. I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Any other big dinos that I'm missing? I think that's it. We don't. uh, We don't get much new. We didn't get a lot of variety this. Not this this season. season. Yeah, Yeah, it was a lot of the same ones. I mean, once again, learning that Manticore did not clone new dinosaurs, it makes sense that we didn't get a lot of new ones. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, oh, we, well, I mean, we got, they still could have gotten a Metricanthosaurus. All right. <laughs> you know, it's time. We it's did, been too long we did get, uh, to get the Spinoceratops again. Uh, the little, the little babies, uh, which are adorable mm-hmm. still. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, okay. So I would have loved to have seen grown up versions of those in the flash forward. Yes. That would be cool. Um, which is which is part of one of my my least favorite thoughts. So let's let's do least favorite then favorite. Um, 
Okay, can I go first then? Yes. Okay, least favorite. Uh, hinted heavily earlier in this episode. Um, bumpy and overpowering the mind control with, uh, like you said, the power of love. <laughs> it's not just that this is a cliche just of any mind control plot. Just a cliche after cliche after cliche. Like, so much of cliche at this point. But it's even worse here because there were other things they could have done where just been caring about Bumpy. Bumpy can always just be a dinosaur that is just reacting as a dinosaur or an animal would. He doesn't have to be any smarter or special than anything else. Yes. And it's Ben's attachment to him that could have him finding a way to get the control device away or do something else. You know, whatever. They could have done a billion different things. But the fact that it almost gives Bumpy sentience of like... I understand the concepts of the the technology at work here, and I'm going to overpower it because I care about him so much. Like it's just it's giving questions to answers no one wanted. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's no, like, I absolutely uh, agree. Yeah, it's it's. And again, it's been done a hundred billion it times. Is, before. It is the most tropey of tropes for sure. Yeah, um, and and of course we're gonna still spend, you know, fifteen minutes on this one. <laughs> this one trope yes uh acting yeah. like we didn't know what was gonna happen um yep yeah okay so i have a couple of least favorite moments but i'll, I'll i i and i i'll talk about both of them but honestly my <laughs> biggest least favorite moment of this season uh is kenji's arc it's not because it's not because of like how the arc is like, I think it's a fine, like as far as the like written, like character, what he goes through is fine. My problem is, is that it's so unbalanced time wise. Like we have, he's literally just, my dad's the best person in the world, even though we've established over the last four seasons that Kenji does not really like his dad. And he knows his dad is a piece of shit and he knows his dad doesn't, you know, love him. There was a whole big arc in season two, when they go to the, the, the hotel for the first time, uh -huh. like is him just, you know, him really like rediscovering that his dad is not like nice to him in general. And I get it. They're going to revisit that when his dad actually shows up, but, but it takes the whole season. Like it's literally painful and not in a good way. Not in like, dude, Kenji, you got to realize it. It's like, dude, how are you not knowing what's happening? Like there's so many things that happens. He literally, when the, when the mind control first gets introduced and his father's just like, well, I've just got to do it. I just, you know, we got to do it. Like Kenji's like red flags don't go up and it's very unbelievable with how his relationship with his father is written in the last few seasons. I didn't mind this plot as much as you, just because I think it's interesting on its own. Yes. And we've had a lot of plots in this show that are just completely uninteresting. True. So I think him dealing with it in the back and forth and realizing all the people he's around him now are the bad guys. Like, I think that's all interesting. So I give it a lot of passes just for that. Uh, You're holding I, my interest. I, give it, I, I do agree. I give it passes on that level of... Uh, yeah, like, you're right. But I, I think, once again, uh, for, for Kenji's arc specifically, it's those last three episodes that I just hate with his arc. Because we've spent so long in this season with ha him having the back and forth. And then, like, he literally gets back to the island. He has to convince Ben. And then he convinces Ben. And then he has to convince Brooklyn. 
Okay, he convinced Brooklyn. Oh, Darius is still pissed at him. Okay, well we do. Have to yeah, I would have liked more repercussions. Yeah, like, like and, and 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 once again, it's like, but it's still all has to be wrapped up by the next episode because the next episode is the final episode of the show. So we have no time for these characters to have that conflict. Like Darius and Kinji's conflict that they have should have lasted like half of a season. Like them going back and forth, like Darius not trusting him, you know, you, them having this think... whole thing. But instead it's just like, you control Toro, I can't trust you. And he's like, but I didn't do yeah. it on purpose. And look, I'm just. I think if Kinji it. were younger, yeah. I think if Kinji were younger, it would make more sense him running back to his parent the first time he sees him. Yes. And just going along with it. And then I think it would have been also been better if in the flash forward, we still saw that, A, he wasn't with Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like, that relationship's over, period. And then uh, he was still at arm's length with all the other people, but he was trying to still win them back. Yes. You know, yeah. years later, he was still trying to regain that trust. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. No, for sure. It just, it just like... Kind of with your moment, it just kind of fell into the tropes of the friend that betrayed his friends and now has to make up for it. Uh, yeah. And so it just kind of like, I don't know, it was very predictable as well as being very like rushed, in my opinion. Um, and then my, my, my other least favorite moment um, is, it is a, it's an even more broad concept, but I, I just think that like, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, so I don't want to go into super detail, but... I do still stand by, like, that the the mind control of the dinosaurs plot gets a little hokey, and, and it never really, like, recovers from it. Like, th- there's some great moments towards the beginning of the mind control plot where you see, like, once again, when you see Big Edie being controlled for the first time, and, like... Yeah, I think the, the dinosaurs being taken over by themselves does come off as horrific yes. and, and bad. Until... But it's now a dinosaur battle and like, they're just all being controlled and yeah. The fact that they're, I mean, it's so on the nose, yeah. literally PS4 controllers being what's controlling yes. them. And it, it just, it just like that, that I think hurt the season overall for me more than anything else. I think it was just kind of like, uh, like the idea of mind controlling dinosaurs is not the worst thing in the world, but like not only mind controlling them, but also like the, Hawks, the main mercenary riding on the back of the Spinosaur, like, oh, give me a fucking break. Like, that's too much. You know, like, it, it just it just doesn't work. Uh, especially, yep. especially because, here's what it is. Especially because they set up the whole bumpy, like, breaking out of the mind control. Like, I was, I was such expecting that's how Hawks was going to die. I, I thought he was going to try and mind control the Spino, and the Spino was just going to have none of it, and just break out of the mind control and eat Hawks. I was like, that would have been yeah, such a because, cool, fun Well, that would have moment. been more Jurassic Park is if, even when they thought this technology was perfected, you show Bumpy, uh, he reveals the cracks in the technology. Right. And then what would have been great, instead of the good guys winning the fight at the end, it should have just been the dinosaurs turning on all of them. Right, especially you know, because they and, do the, And losing control. They have the moment where uh, Mr. Khan controls all the dinosaurs with just the singular control. So I, how much, how cool would that have been is like he, he activates it, he thinks it's all good, and then like the controller just like explodes because it's controlling too many things at once, and then all the dinosaurs just go on Yeah, or he hits the button and they're all frozen, he's like, look, we're fine, 
it's not working exactly like we thought, but we're okay. And then you see the Spinosaurus take a step forward, yeah, and you see the other one struggling against it, and it starts like moving. Yeah, around. Uh, that would have been so have done much a lot more, more fun, with that. Uh, and so much more interesting for this plot. Um, yep. But yeah. Anyway, uh, so moving into favorite moments. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah. So my favorite moment, uh, what actually got me up, hooping, hooping and hollering, uh, was when I realized, like, oh, okay, we're back in that part of the forest where Nedry died. Yeah. Like, that's when the Dilophosaurus came back, and I realized, oh, okay, this is still a Dilophosaurus nest. They never left the region. Yes. You know? And then, and then you know, obviously the Barbasol Cannon is amazing, and that's great. Uh, but just, the, <sighs> we've gotten so little love for the Dilophosaurus and there's no other dinosaur I equate Jurassic Park to more than the Dilophosaurus. I know for a lot of people it's Rexy, but for me, those original stand-up posters and those original cardboard cutouts and everything yeah. was the Dilophosaurus and that that coloring on its frill, like that was Jurassic Park to me. Yeah. And so to have them go back to this area and to see the hill in the background that used to have the waterfall going down it, yeah. all of that, you know, that was that just hit my nostalgia completely. And then of course Dodson's involved in the Barbasol can. So that right there was, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, oh, are we going to see more? Is there going to be like a Nedry skeleton? Like what's going to be? Right. You know? No, uh, and I agree <laughs> with you. I mean, once, once again, like I think for me, the biggest thing for that sequence was how disappointed I was with the Dilophosaurus sequence at the end of the last uh, season mm-hmm. when they were just like, Oh, it's some secret dinosaur that they brought to the Island. And it's the Dilophosaurus for two seconds. And then that's it. And I was like, really? Like, that's all we're going to get? And uh, I was very happy, like, in this season when that scene happened. Because I was like, ah, here we go. This is what I, this is, this should have been the reintroduction. Like, this, this should have been when we saw them again. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah, I really love, I really did like that sequence for sure. So that, that had to be my favorite moment just because it's the moment that got the most excitement out of me. Yeah. You know? um, for me, and I, and I kind of talked about it a little bit, but honestly, like I, I have to say, Big Edie and Little Edie as as a couple of dinosaurs, uh, it's just refreshing for me. And you know, um, it, it ties into so Coleman. I'm sure you, I don't know if you heard the, the the episode on Dominion, but it actually it was a lost episode for us. Like so, a lot of the ep- stuff that me and Cameron talked about got lost. Um, and uh, one of the things I brought up with Dominion, my favorite moment of Dominion was the fact that the Giganotosaurus was just a normal theropod. Like it was just, it was just a, just a normal dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like it, it mm. was an alpha. Sure. Like, yeah, it's, it's all, it's on the same level as Rexy, but like, it's not like actively out to murder Rexy. It's just, it's the biggest hunter. No, they did a good job of positioning it to Unfortunately, the final battle naturally really have those fights. Yeah. yeah. The final battle yeah, really yeah, yeah. Did, but like the, the first fight with Rexy and the Giga in the forest was perfect it's just so like Mm -hmm. that is exactly how carnivores big carnivores interact in the wild they fight but they know that they they will injure each other if they fight for too much so it's literally just like until one of them it's a risk reward Yeah. yeah and so i really appreciated that and that i think that's like with this rex or big Edie and little Edie represent what real tyrannosaurs would be like especially because we know about Rex's having uh, family groups that, you know, where the, the their kids would be basically sub-adults like that and still be part of the family, like still be hunting together with the adults. 
Um, and that to me, that was just like, it brought me back. I, I guess what it is, is it brought me back to that feeling of Jurassic Park and Lost World Jurassic Park, where they were still trying to kind of bring paleontology into the franchise uh, realistically and be like, okay, we learned, you know, Lost World, we literally learned right before Lost World was made about Rex's, you know, keeping with families and, and it being a big deal. And so, like, to me, that's what made this big, Biggie Little E stand out to me is that they felt like this is what real Rex's in real life would have been like at this age that they are at. And I love that. And I love that they're not mindless killers. I love that there's all these moments with Darius. I love that by the end of this, by the end of the season, when Big E dies, you do immediately feel for her. Uh, and, and it just, that's, that's absolutely my favorite thing about the season. Other than the ending, obviously the ending is great. I really appreciated the ending, the jump forward in time, mainly because you and I have been talking about it since season one, but <laughs> yeah, saying, saying that ending shot with Darius, uh, is cheating. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, all right, so let's move on to uh, to animation and sound effects is what I'm going to call this next section. Um, and and I, we've talked a little bit about some of it right now, but um, with the animation, I noticed it in this season, and I don't know if it was because they were rushed or what, but like not only the dinosaurs had like a stop-motion effect, but there was a lot of moments with the human characters walking around where it seemed like they're like animation cycle was broken you know what i mean like you're almost getting to that nickelodeon early cgi yeah, like where it's like limbs like they don't the like arms don't move at the elbow the whole arm yeah, moves, like jimmy you neutron know? like style like back, yep. back in the day or early jimmy neutron where it just like i noticed that as like, well it just like was yep. a very stiff like jittery walk from some of the characters and it's weird cause I, I haven't noticed, I never noticed it with any of the other seasons. So I, I don't think it was a thing that was going on all the time. So I do wonder if it was a like rushed for time or, you know, instance where they were like, Oh, well the dinosaur fights are more important so we can cut the budget with the animation here and focus on that. Well, they, they put out these seasons crazy quick true. for, for how many episodes there are and everything. Yeah. Very true. Um, so yeah, so that was something I noticed. Um, also, um, I guess the best way to describe it, uh, I'd be remiss not to mention this with my favorite moment being Big Edie and Little Edie, but uh, there's some bad rigging on some of the dinosaur models where stuff happens that doesn't make any biological sense with uh, the dinosaurs. For instance, there's a moment where Big Edie is roaring and walking towards the spino when it's in the water, and th- her lips like are just completely like disconnected from her jaw. And so like, if you pause it, like her lips are like coming, like detached, like all the way up to the nostril and like flailing around. And it looks so goofy and Mm -hmm. silly. And it's not just her that has that. There's a lot of other like weird, just like rigging with like the animation and like where the skeletal structure is that just doesn't look great sometimes this season, uh, in my opinion. Um, but uh, did you notice anything else that I missed? No, I mean the the dinosaur movement was the main animation thing that popped yeah, out to me. Yeah. Um, and then. And we already talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, as far as the um, s- sound design, like I, said, I already complained about the Spino. That's really the only one I have to complain about. 
uh, everything else sounded Jurassic Park enough. Uh, I don't feel like the music made no. yeah. any impact this Agreed. season. Agreed, yeah. E- and it's it's had moments in the past oh, for sure. this season. Yeah, especially not. especially in season one. Yeah. Uh, season one, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Indominus theme and all the Jurassic World themes that they brought in was an- amazing. Um yeah, here, I, yeah, I, I, I honestly, <laughs> I say the music. I didn't notice it at all, which is almost a bad sin for a Jurassic movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, okay. So the last topic that I want to talk about before we get into our final thoughts, um, and this one is kind of, uh, kind of new because uh, we didn't know about this until uh, I think earlier this week. Um, but, uh, so we did find out that there are two, count them two, uh, TV, uh, properties continuing from, I don't know if here, like, I don't know if characters are going to return or not, but we have one animated show that theoretically is coming to Netflix. Um, and that one has a title, I believe. I wonder if I can find it. Do you remember what it was called? Uh, no, I haven't heard any titles. Yeah, for let me see, let me see if I can find it. But uh, so there's one that is that has a it has a working title behind the scene, and the only thing we know is they're casting a um, f- the role that they're casting for is a person who has lost uh, lost an arm uh, in an event. Um, uh, so the the animated one is supposedly called Jurassic World: Rule the Earth. Um, is is supposedly the the working title for it. That is the one I yeah. have heard of. Never mind. I have 100% yeah. heard and that. And then the <laughs> other one doesn't have a title, but it's the one that supposedly is going to be live action, but we don't have anything about that one. We just know that they're they're working on something. Um my yeah, my only uh uh no know-how with that one is I 100% uh believe that they thought and this is just from the comments of uh Spielberg himself. Mm-hmm. And as an executive producer, and then you know many of the other filmmakers associated with the series over over time, the idea of doing a TV series, they said it was impossible. There's no way we could do it for years and years and years. And then the Mandalorian came out, <laughs> and the idea of the volume and doing virtual production. And now I think they see a path to yeah. doing it. You know, for for a smaller yeah. budget. No, I, I yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um. I am curious about that for sure. If it's you know how much of it will be done in the volume, um, it's it's wild because like you know as as impressive as the technology for the volume is, I mean we have um, you know speaking of uh, you know giant monster news, I mean we have the Godzilla TV show, which is not being filmed on the volume at all as far as our, as we know. In fact, they're doing period uh, you know like costumes and setups in you know modern locations instead of doing the volume. Um, but well, the the people don't realize that the hierarchy hasn't true. changed with with shooting with shooting um, any movie or TV show or anything. Uh, if you can do on location, yes. if you can shoot on location, it's always going to look best. Look at the new Andor, um, Andor <laughs> Star Wars show. It looks incredible yeah. because they actually shot on location for every yeah. single scene yeah. in that. And the green screen, your CGI use is minimal. If you are going to do CGI, though, and you're going to do a heavily green screen set, 
that's the where the volume shines. Yeah. And you still have to do a lot of work, just like you have to do a lot of work with Agreed. green screen. But the volume shines and that you get realistic lighting from the volume itself, yes. and your actors are actually working in that environment instead of just working in a warehouse with a green it's, screen. It, it's, so, we are, we're finally... When The Mandalorian first came out, the volume was literally like everybody was like, oh, this is going to be used for everything. And I think finally, now that we've had... You know, Mandalorian season two, as well as Book of Boba being used the the volume like so bad, so much. I think that we're finally getting to the point of people looking at it more as a as another tool instead of it being a replacement for everything else. Does that make sense? Like, because I feel like yeah, and I do like the idea that so the one of the things is that if done correctly, and people don't realize how much of the Mandalorian season one had to be rotoscoped yeah. which is where you actually like cut out the characters and replace the oh, background absolutely. so the volume yeah this the volume in season one was actually used much more like a green screen uh but the lighting and the characters were so much better because mm-hmm. they you know actually um were working in that set and all of that like we said but a lot of that was done the exact same way as a green screen in the end because the technology was still so new yeah. they had some issues with right. it um, but moving forward, what I like about the volume is I think it gives producers and upper management more confidence to green light things they wouldn't have green in the past. Like if you can take your, your, you know, middle management studio head to the volume and show them what you want to shoot like show them the van the landscape with a crazy sith temple in the background they're they're much more likely to green light your tv show that's trying to be ambitious versus just saying like here's some concept art you know agreed yeah um yeah so that's that's probably why we're getting a jurassic park tv show to begin with in my mind they should just shoot it like lost and just keep the effects minimal, mm-hmm. like the original Jurassic Park, and shoot it in Hawaii. You know, go to Hawaii, plan your entire production there. They have the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and just make sure, hey, that original Jurassic Park, they had 16 minutes of yes. CGI in the entire movie. Yes. And they spent a year and a half on it. That's all yeah. you have to do. We will love our dinosaurs if they look good. And when they show up, it's it's... Yeah, Exciting. and I mean, they you know? could also, I mean, especially, we have, uh, you know, from Dominion and also a few from Fallen Kingdom, we actually do have quite a bit of animatronics that probably could just be re, not like completely made from the ground up, but just like reskinned and reused. Uh, yeah, animatronics are always going to need to be, but I mean, again, like, again, the original that. Jurassic Park. So. Yeah, and but in the original Jurassic Park, they didn't have to build a whole raptor no, for no, every no, no, shot. No. Sometimes you just need a pair of legs, you know, something like that. Exactly. You can be yeah, sparse yeah, yeah. with it. No, I, that's that's what I'm trying to say is and, like because like the Giga animatronic is literally just like its neck up is all it is. Everything else is CGI. But look at Dominion in the last in the last three fourths mm-hmm. of Dominion. Look at that pacing of CGI and and dinosaur interactions. You have the plane coming in, then it has to fight, you know, a Quetzalcoatlus. And then it, it, it crashes, so you have all that mm-hmm. CGI, and then it crashes into, for some reason, a giant <laughs> a lake. ice lake. <laughs> pyroraptor. Yeah, and then, you, <laughs> and then you immediately go into a pyroraptor interaction, and then you immediately go into the forest. Like, bro, Slow calm down. down. I love yeah. dinosaurs, but give me, like, one every 15 minutes, not 
hit me no, over the head with sure. them, you know? Yeah, no matter what TV show, the TV, the live action TV show is, it's going to have to take a slower pace for sure, um, which is going to be yeah. beneficial for it. But then the animated one... You know what? Throw out four projectors and sit them down at a, at a dining room table and talk about whether scientists should be doing something for 20 minutes. <laughs> Give me that Jurassic Park and then, again. And, but then, yeah, the more interesting one for this conversation coming off of Camp Cretaceous is the animated show. Like, is it going to be done the same kind of way, the same kind of turn turnaround? Or are they going to spend a little bit more time developing it? Uh, when is it going to take place? I mean... Uh, with rule the earth as the as the potential title, I would assume it's post Dominion. Uh, so you know, dinosaurs running amok everywhere. Um, I don't know if they think kids would be interested in this, but I would love if it's just vignettes. Mm-hmm. Every every episode is a different family or a different set of kids dealing with a completely separate story and them living with dinosaurs. Yeah, you know, that would be very interesting. Um, an anthology yeah. series. I just yeah. I wonder if that's the route they're going to go or they're going to make some sort of new story. Um, I mean, once again, the benefit, of course, of doing animation is that all these actors for the characters in this show uh, can come back and voice their roles without any big like changes <laughs> um, to age or anything like that. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll definitely cover it whenever it inevitably comes our way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention those two real quick before we sign off. No, I mean, it's exciting that we have two potential new series. Um, I feel like Camp Cretaceous for all its flaws, I mean, it's, it's fed into more Jurassic Park content that, man, we, we lived in a desert for a long time of anything besides a new movie every few years or every decade almost you know at some point so um to have a regular show to talk about and to add to the lore and to make references and it's just been nice so i'd love this to be treated maybe not excessively like star wars and marvel where there's fifteen thousand things coming out but you keep the franchise alive i want to keep talking about it and keep getting excited about what's next yeah for me it's 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 funny it's like uh I would equate this to I want it to be handled like what it looks like the MonsterVerse is going to be handled. You know, like we're getting a new movie and then we're getting a couple of shows. One's animated, one's live action. It's almost the exact same situation, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Um, and I mean, it is funny because you, you brought it up uh, and rolling into final thoughts. It's it is funny because Jurassic, the Jurassic franchise has felt a little bit like the Godzilla franchise. It hasn't been around as long, but as far as like the content that we're getting, it's very kind of similar. Like for a while, it just seemed like we weren't getting anything at all. Like, you know, we were getting a movie every once in a while. Uh, there was, I mean, uh, the camp Cretaceous is not the first animated series that was talked about for this franchise. There were several projects that almost got done, almost got started and, and never like made, were made to fruition. Um, and so with Cape Cretaceous, I think it's just nice to see, yeah, that interest in doing some like side lore content that is in canon. And I think that's really, really great. I think that it, it really, it, it, that's the best part with Camp Cretaceous overall. Like once again, going straight into final thoughts. I like that we have this content. It may not be perfect. There, There's flaws in every single season. And uh, seasons one and three are the strongest still. Four, five, 
had a lot of fun moments, which is what we're talking about today. But as an overall review of the series, I do think there is some worth to it. I know my three-year-old son goes crazy for it when I watch it. Um, I know that kids absolutely love this show uh, beyond my son. So, like, for the intended audience, it's great. For us older fans... We're, we're more likely to pick apart some of the character motivations and the plot and even the dinosaurs acting weird. But overall, it was still fun. I, I, I think that it was a great time. I'm, I'm excited that you know, we did get to the end of it. I'm glad that it actually got an end. It didn't get canceled before they could finish the story they were trying to tell. Uh, and I think that season five, it's worth a watch if you have been interested in the French, in the show so far. Um, and if you're a new viewer coming in, there's no harm in watching them. I, I think that they are still a fun story. As long as you do realize that they are made for kids and you have to look at it from that view of it's not made for an adult. It's made for a kid. And I, I, I think it's for my final thoughts. I do think it is more interesting than most things that have to have that yes. warning label. Like, you know, know that it's made for kids. I do think this one is um, higher quality than most of, yeah. um, you know, turn your brain off kids shows. I, it's hard as a dad uh, to have a show like Bluey on the <laughs> air that is setting the standard for any TV show to be that sure. high quality. Uh, I wish any Jurassic Park content would, would reach the levels of Bluey. <laughs> but... <laughs> But they have not yet. But this this series, um, I'm glad that it landed where yeah. it did on a strong note in the last episode. And again, on a stronger season overall. Um, it's still, nothing still touches that first, um, that first season in my mind. Not even season three. Because season three had interesting concepts that for the broader overall right. Jurassic lore. But season one was that perfect encapsulation of what I wanted from a TV show. It made bold choices with its characters. Uh, you, you know, you didn't know if characters were alive or dead at the end of it. Like, it, oh, yeah. it was it just its tie into Jurassic World was so strong. If you liked Jurassic World, um, you were just having a blast on the entire first yeah, season, hundred yeah. percent. And and it never reached that again but overall I, I still am glad the series exists i think it's better than a lot of other side content for some of our favorite franchises so um i'm pretty yeah, happy with agreed. it yeah i think it's it's definitely still it, once again if you're invested in the franchise it's definitely worth a watch in general i think um yeah but uh anyway all right well it is very late. Coleman and I are both very, very tired. Um, <laughs> uh, so to wrap this up, uh, so we have another full month of Tokyo Lives uh, coming up. So coming up next is going to be them. And you have to say it like that because it has an exclamation mark. So excited to <laughs> listen to that episode. Uh, so them is coming up next. Uh, and then uh, Rob has a episode of... Uh, Kimba the White Lion, where they fight a giant uh, centipede or cockroach. I can't remember what it is. It's a giant insect of some sort, uh, which is going to be his Tokyo Signals this month. Uh, and then uh, finalizing the month at the very, very end, we will be covering The Black Scorpion, a underrated uh, uh, classic black and white uh, creature feature uh that uh, we watched for a uh a stream that Tokyo Lives did a long time ago and it was the first time I had ever seen it and I liked it a lot when I saw it so hopefully I'll like it again when I watch it this time um 
And then, uh, of course, uh, we uh, don't have anything exactly to tease for next month, but do know that we uh, we are already planning the rest of the year and going to have that finalized very, very soon. Uh, I will give one specific shout-out really quickly before we go. Uh, for all of you uh, Patreons that are subscribed to our $15 uh, Patreon level, uh as always, I'm going to start reaching out to you very, very soon for your shirt sizes, for the T-shirt that you guys get as part of the $15 tier. Um, you guys will uh, – I'm going to reach out to you, get your addresses, make sure everything's up to date, and as well as your shirt sizes. And I will ship those out in November, and they should get to you around Christmas time, uh, the perfect Christmas gift from Tokyo Lives. So look forward to those. Uh, Coleman, thank you for joining me to finish off Camp Cretaceous. Uh we uh, we were already talking earlier that this is not the last you will hear from Coleman. We will have him back on as another guest host for other episodes in the future. Uh, yeah, we just have to figure out Camp Cretaceous was the perfect blend of like, well, okay, Coleman's coming back for a dinosaur <laughs> episode. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe if uh, I, I, the next, you know, thing that I connect with me, it's got to be like, you guys finally review... Um, the G98 cartoon series or something <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do it. I mean, it, honestly, like, there's so many other dinosaur properties I could bring you back from for, like, movies that you've never seen that I could torture you with uh, <laughs> from, like, the 60s. Look, all I'm saying <laughs> is that you didn't bring me in for the Dominion oh, yeah. episode, and then that episode well, crashed and yeah, burned. that one, so. that's, a, that's a sad day episode for sure. But uh, it would have crashed and burned even if you had been yep. there, to be fair. <laughs> it was your no it was your uh, barbasol can if you would have uh, had me there it would have gone great but uh, anyway yep. uh so hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you guys next time bye everybody bye have a good one